have a good day at school? Okay, mixture. I like the honesty. I had a great day because I was not in school, so thanks for asking. Um, we're going to continue our sp- series on the Holy Ghost tonight and the Holy Spirit. I am super excited about this. I told you guys last week, I've had a really great time just going back in my Bible and asking some questions and answering some questions that I've heard before, but getting in for myself and finding the verses and seeing what does the Bible say about some of the wild stuff the Holy Spirit does. Because I think we've seen it, if you've grown up in this church or been in this church for any amount of time or been to camp with us, you've seen some of these wild things. But I want to make sure we can answer the question of, Why is this happening, and what is the purpose of this? And the Bible provides those answers, so I'm really excited to look at that with you guys tonight. My message is called The Wild Wonders of the Holy Ghost. So last week we kind of talked about why we really need the Holy Ghost and why it's important to let him move, but tonight we're going to look at some of the stuff he does that sometimes looks a little wild. Has anybody ever seen anything a little bit wild? The weirdest thing I have ever seen in this church, (laughs) you guys know who Miss Liz is, right? She's beautiful, elegant, and super tall. And one time on like a Sunday night, she was standing up here just like a normal person. And all of a sudden, her body just started to go forward. And she just kept going forward. And she just kept going forward until her head was like down at her ankles. She super slowly just like flips over until she's flat on the ground. The whole thing was in slow motion. And honestly, the weird part was, when I was watching it, it didn't even seem that strange. And then I got home and I said, what, hold on, what just happened? Miss Liz, completely unassisted, bent in half, and slowly flipped all the way over unharmed. It was incredible, it was super bizarre. (laughs) But it was amazing, and at the time when I was in God's presence, I was watching it and I was like, yes, thank you, Lord. And then I got home and thought, hold on, the physics of that do not add up, and I think that was like a miracle, (laughs) because I don't know how that could happen. So we've seen some super crazy things, and I'm excited to talk about those things tonight, but that's one of my favorite things I've ever seen in this church. So the very first thing I wanna look at tonight is falling out. Any of you guys ever seen anybody fall out? Now, there's a lot of variety. There's like, you've been tased falling out where you jump up and collapse. I've seen that quite a bit. There's some people who can fall just like nice and normal. There's like the shakers and fallers. There's the people who just bend way over and never quite fall. We've all seen people who have fallen out. But tonight I want to look at that in the Bible. I want some biblical examples. And I want to say, why do people fall out? Is that really necessary? Listen, I Googled a bunch of this stuff. And I read all kinds of negative things online. And the main point was just people saying, why is this necessary? Why do people need to fall? What does that even do? That's what we're going to look at tonight. So in John chapter 18, we're going to find one of my favorite instances of people falling out in the Bible. This is an exciting one. So this is right when the group of soldiers are going to come capture Jesus to kill him. So this is like a heated moment anyway. The Pharisees and the leading priests had given Judas a large detachment of Roman soldiers and temple police to seize Jesus. Judas guided them to the garden, and all of them were carrying torches and lanterns and armed with swords and spears. And Jesus, knowing full well what was about to happen, went out to the garden entrance to meet them. He stepped forward and asked, who are you looking for? I like how he plays dumb. I do this too sometimes just for a little fun on my own. And he knew what was going on and he still was like, oh, good evening, gentlemen. Can I help you? Who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. And now Judas the traitor was among them. He replied, I am he. And the moment Jesus spoke the words, I am he, 
the mob fell backwards to the ground. This should have been a sign to the devil that it was not a good idea to kill Jesus because it hasn't even started yet, and Jesus already knocked him all over with his words. The whole soldier's army collapsed to the ground because of the power of Jesus' words. These next two examples I don't have on the PowerPoint tonight. One of them is in Matthew, and this talks about Peter. It says, while Peter was still speaking, a radiant cloud comprised of light spread over them, enveloping them all, and God's voice spoke suddenly from the cloud, saying, this is my loved son, the constant focus of my delight. Listen to him. The three disciples were dazed and terrified by this phenomenon, and they fell face down on the ground. And then in 1 Kings in the Old Testament, <laughs> this is a scripture my dad uses to justify farting. So you can think of it this way as well. Now it happened when the priests had come out of the holy place, the cloud filled the Lord's house, that's the fart if you're in my family, so the priests could not stand in their positions to minister because of the cloud or the glory of God, for the glory and brilliance of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. So God's presence was so strong, the priests couldn't even stand and do what they were supposed to do. And in all these three instances, we see when these people come into contact with the power of God, they fall down. And I think the answer is really simple, and that's when our human physical body comes into contact with the supernatural, there's got to be a reaction. There's got to be something that happens because our spirits were made for heaven, but our bodies aren't made for heaven and made for that glory. So when the glory shows up and our body is present, something's going down. Probably you. <laughs> so <laughs> the power of God moving on natural flesh will cause a supernatural reaction. Sometimes this is shaking. Sometimes this is falling. We've seen people run. We've seen people dance. King David did those quite often. We've seen people shout. Um, but it's normal for there to be a manifestation when God moves because that is the reaction of your natural body to the power of God. You can't handle it. <laughs> Something has got to occur. And when you are open to God moving, you can receive what he's trying to bring to you. So we touched on this a little bit last week, but God always moves with a purpose, and he moves for a reason. And if I care too much about looking cool and not wanting to flop like a fish, I can resist what God is trying to bring me because I need to respond and let him move. When I choose to respond and let him move despite what I'm maybe going to look like, God is able to change me and get to me what he's trying to do. Every time God moves, he's trying to get something to you. There something for you. Maybe it's for your body. Maybe it's for your mind. It can be a bunch of stuff, but God is trying to get something to you. You've just got to receive it. So that's the importance, you know. That's why sometimes we see when people are being ministered to, uh, that maybe they get prayed for the first time, and they kind of stand there real stiff, and whoever's ministering will say, nope, like loosen up, or they'll come back to them. Why that person sometimes needs to adjust and say like, okay, maybe I don't understand all this, but I'm, I'm going to respond to what God has for me, and I'm going to receive that. So there's a lot of other instances in the Bible I didn't read tonight, but we see all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, when people come into contact with the power of God, there's a manifestation and they fall down. And when I was a kid, one of the things I always thought was the strangest personally is at the time, like in the 90s in our church, there was a lot of things that happened and kind of this thing where like a minister would like do one of these maneuvers and the whole section of people would go down or they would just yell something and the whole section of people would go down and when I was younger that one was hard for me to grasp like if you laid hands on me okay I can understand this but I I was always kind of like 
you just shouted and the whole section fall down. Like, is this legit? But we saw in that passage with Jesus, all he had to say is, hey, it's me. And those guards went down. So when God's power is on someone's words or in their hands, there's going to be a reaction. And when we yield, we can receive what he has for us. This next thing is fun. You guys ready? I'm going to talk about being drunk in the spirit. And this is why this is important, because you guys probably have a lot of drunk people in your life. And I think that I grew up for a while thinking the experience of being drunk was something I was going to miss out on. Honestly, that's what I thought. Right? It looks fun. People talk about how much fun it is. People talk about all this goofy, crazy stuff that happens. And the reality is you're not made to miss out on that but you're made to do it the authentic way and not the fake way. And so I'm going to look at Acts chapter 2 for this. This is a little bit of a long passage, but it's good. And it says, They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit, and they were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages that they had never learned. And now at that time, there were Jewish worshipers who had immigrated from many different lands to live in Jerusalem. And when the people of the city Heard the roaring sound, crowds came running to where it was coming from, stunned over what was happening, because each one could hear the disciples speaking in his or her own language. Bewildered, they said to one another, aren't all these people Galileans? How are they speaking other languages? How is it that we hear them speaking in our own languages? And yet we hear them speaking of God's mighty wonders in our own dialects. It said it three times now. They're speaking in their languages. We got it. And they all stood there dumbfounded and astonished, saying to one another, what is this phenomenon? So people are acting crazy, and this was their conclusion. Others poked fun at them and said, they're just drunk on new wine. So these people were acting so wild Other people thought they were drunk, and Peter stood up with the 11 apostles, and he shouted to the crowd and said, Listen carefully, my fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, you need to clearly understand what's happening here. These people are not drunk like you think they are, for it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) You can laugh if you want. These people are not drunk. So, Here's the cool takeaway here. When the Holy Ghost fell on God's people, their behavior led people to believe that they were drunk. That is a normal response to the Holy Ghost falling, to have behavior that makes you look like a drunk person. But here's what we've got to realize. That is the authentic way to be drunk. The Bible tells us not to be drunk on alcohol, but that doesn't mean you're supposed to miss out on that experience. Being drunk the world's way is a cheap imitation of being drunk God's way. Actually, I think it's an expensive imitation because I have coworkers who go out and they tell me how much they spend over the weekend, and I'm like, dang, you could have bought a lot of stuff for that. But here's the point. You need to get drunk. God is supposed to be fun. When you look at drunk people and you think it looks fun, you've got to evaluate here, why am I drawn to that, and what's the right way to get to that? Because God has created that experience for every single one of us as believers. And sometimes I think that's a little hard for people to buy into. They understand, you know, regular drunk people, But when you talk about being drunk in the Holy Ghost, they're just like, how does that even happen? I don't really understand. Or if they see people who are drunk in the Holy Ghost, they'll say, well, they're just faking it. Well, they're just crazy. Well, they're just that weird church person. We shouldn't look at what God does and call it weird and then look at what the world does and call it normal. We shouldn't think that drunk people at bars is normal. We shouldn't look at God's people and see them responding and acting goofy and act like it's weird. Did you guys see Mr. Jim trying to run the other night? He couldn't get 
off the ground. He was trying, but he couldn't get his legs to work. He was drunk. And that's the way that it's supposed to be. God created that experience of being drunk for us to enjoy. And you know what? Why do people get drunk? They get drunk to unwind, to relax, because they had a rough day. We have that option too. God is able to move in you. When you've had a rough day, when you need to unwind, when you need to relax in your tents, you just need to pray in tongues until you get drunk. God can move and loosen you up. People say, oh, I just need to get loosened up. I gotta have a drink when I go on a date because I gotta get loosened up. God has a way for you to get loosened up and not be uptight. I'm an uptight person and I need that, but we've got to stop looking at the world's way and thinking that that's being drunk when really it is an imitation. The devil always tries to knock off what God is doing. The devil sees God move and he tries to figure out how to recreate it without God. And when something is recreated without God, there are always negative consequences. But when you do things the right way, you get God's benefit of it. And God has created a wonderful way for us to experience him and to have fun and to unwind and to have a good time. And it's being drunk in the Holy Ghost. And you know, sometimes we see people at camp and they're laughing and they're crying And we're acting like it's weird when what do drunk people do? Laugh, cry, they're super loud, pretty annoying. You know that person who like laughs super loud in your ear at camp while you're sobbing? Not relatable? Okay, me, I've been there, I'm always the sobbing one. And sometimes there's like a screaming laugher next to me and I'm just like, let me, let me just slide over here towards the tissue box away from you very loud person. That's what drunk people do. But the devil's way of doing it is an imitation. Those same symptoms of being drunk are available with the Holy Ghost. You guys got a weird look on your face. But it's true. And I know we maybe haven't tapped into that. Or sometimes we think that's only something for camp. But that's something for our everyday lives. When I've had a really rough day, I come home and I pray in tongues and I turn on my worship music until I'm happy. Until I can laugh again until I'm joyful, until I maybe cry if I need to. I get drunk and I take advantage of the Holy Ghost way of letting me unwind and moving in my body and mind when it's been a rough week. So being drunk in the Holy Ghost isn't weird. And there's another verse in Ephesians that says, don't get drunk with wine, which is rebellion, but instead be filled with the fullness of the Holy Ghost. And God is suggesting this as the alternative thing to do here. Don't be drunk with wine, but be drunk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So the manifestation there may look the same, but the the arrival is very different, and then the outcome is very different, right? So God has made a way for us to relax and to unwind and to have fun, get drunk in the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you guys, practice. Sometimes it takes a while, and if you're not used to praying in tongues and you're not used to uh, maybe worshiping at home or having God move in your life at home, it's kind of weird at first. But you know what? Just close the door to your room and do it till you get there because once you learn how to get there, it's really easy. You know, um, anybody driving in here, I know we have a lot of kind of like newer drivers. Right now, there's some places you guys don't know how to go. Do you guys know how to get to like the Oxmoor Mall, for instance? Yes? Without your GPS? Get out of here. I'm going to put you to the test on that. Okay, does anyone know how to get to Nashville without their GPS? No. So you guys have maybe driven to the Oxmoor Mall, and that's why you know how to get there. But you probably haven't driven to Nashville yet. 
That's why you don't know how to get there. It's the same thing with the things of God. Sometimes there are places we don't know how to get because we haven't been before. But once we do the work to get there, it's really easy to get to that same place because we've been there before. Does that make sense? It's kind of like directions. I know where I'm going. I know that if I pray in tongues and I worship and I commit this time to God, I'm going to get where I need to be. And sometimes there's still new places where I'm like, I see people moving and I'm like, you know what? I've never had that in my own life. For instance, you know, you hear people talk about the gifts of the Spirit or maybe like prophesying to yourself in your time of worship. I haven't ever done that. That's a new place for me. I've got to learn how to get there, but I know once I learn how to get there, I can get there again because I've been there before. So practice these things. Just spend time with God. Here's the next thing I want to talk about, laughing and crying. And this was like a really hotly debated topic on the internet. A lot of people, like I said earlier, were just saying, what's the point? What is the point? Why are people laughing? Why are people crying? What does that even do? And really, outside of King David, I couldn't find a whole lot of examples of people laughing in the Bible. But I did some research, and I found some things that I think are very interesting. So first, I want to touch on laughter. So here's some statistics that I actually looked up from Forbes. It says the first thing was laughter has a similar effect to antidepressants. The University of Kentucky reported that laughter will benefit your blood pressure, your muscle relaxation, your pain reduction, your brain function, your heart, your respiration, and your mental and emotional health. And when you look up crying statistics, they're actually really similar. Healthline reports that tears detox your body. They release stress hormones and other toxins to flush those things out of your system. Uh, Tears help you recover from grief. Crying can restore emotional balance. And there was a paper I read by a psychologist whose studies found that tears trigger your body's production of endorphins, which are your body's natural painkillers and feel-good hormones. That same psychologist reported that suppressed feelings and suppressing tears can actually result in depression. So the point of both of these things is that both laughing and crying are releases for our body that bring emotional healing. And God and science are not at odds. God is the scientist. He created all of that stuff. He knows how those things affect your body. He designed those things to affect your body and your mind that way. So I believe when we're experiencing those things in his presence, he is using these natural reactions in our body to bring healing and refreshing. And the first thing that ever got me like looking into this was one time at summer camp after a time of worship, I think uh, Dr. Keith had just ministered and it was just like everything fell quiet. And then all of a sudden the room erupted into tears. Do you guys remember that? I know a lot of people have cried at camp and things at different times, but this was literally like every person in the room was sobbing and it was super unique and super different. And Pastor Keith stood up there and he said, their tears will set them free and their tears will bring healing. And I thought, well, that's really interesting. And when I started reading up on it, that's exactly what I found. That's what science says is that your tears and your laughter bring healing to your body and healing to your mind by releasing things that are negative out of you. So God uses those things. Laughing and crying are a release that God's given us. And like I said earlier, he moves with a purpose. So sometimes when he is moving, 
He knows you need to laugh because he understands the benefits that your body and mind are going to get from that. Or he knows that you need to cry because he understands there's something that you need to release through those laughing and crying or whatever it is you're doing. So it may seem at first like kind of a different way for God to move, but he's simply using these mechanisms that he has given our body to bring healing. And, you know, I think that helps us. We know that we can receive things by faith, and even when we maybe don't feel anything, if we get prayed for, we know enough in here to say, Father, I thank you I received what I needed. I thank you my healing I receive. I receive my freedom. But I think we can all agree it's easier to receive when there is a manifestation. And when God moves on us physically, that's intertwined with what he's doing in us spiritually, if that makes sense. So, like I said, I think a lot of people were looking at laughing and crying specifically and say, what's the purpose of that? But God has designed those things to help us and to move in our bodies. And here's the last part of what I want to talk about tonight. And that is God as our Father. And I heard Pastor Nancy talking about this the other day, and I thought, that's exactly right. She was talking about how God's a father, and we all know in here God is a good father, and he's a perfect father. But one of the big functions of a good father is to have fun with his family, right? My dad always, my entire whole life, has planned the best family vacations for us that are so, so fun. And that's still, even though I'm a grown adult, that's like one of my favorite things to do is to go on vacation with my family because I laugh. We have such a great time. And my dad makes a place and makes a situation for our family to come together and have fun. And our relationship with God is supposed to be fun. Our time at church is supposed to be fun. And we're God's family. So it makes sense that he would bring us together and just create a situation for us to have fun. That's what you do with your friends, right? When you have a real intimate relationship, that's somebody you can laugh with. That's somebody you can cry with. When you're hanging out with your friends and it's like two o'clock in the morning and you guys are delirious, you guys are doing some nutty things, right? You're doing some things that don't make sense. You're doing some things that people will look at and say like, well, that's kind of strange. I don't even know why they think that's funny. It's fun, right? We're having a good time. That's a way that we as humans connect with each other. And because we are humans, God knows how to connect with us on a fun level. So sometimes when he moves, he's just having fun with his family. If every church service was the same, that wouldn't be a lot of fun, right? It'd be pretty boring. We would know what to expect every single time. But when we come like we did on Sunday night and have kind of a wild night of people running and people shouting, we leave and say, that was really fun. That was really fun. That was really funny. Um, You know, God knows how to have a good time with us. And in fact, it's important for him to have a good time with us because it shows us that he's a good father and he's not just serious and he's not just corrective and he doesn't just have rules. He's here to have fun with us. And sometimes he'll do things just to make us laugh right? God wants to see you laugh. He knows what that does. Pastor Nancy said it in her message. She'll say, God just will just get people just to get people. You guys know how it's fun to pester your siblings? You have a good time doing that thing that just drives them crazy and you're sitting over there laughing. Does anybody have parents that pester them? She said she has a real good time pestering her kids and just driving them crazy and poking them and doing things that get them all stirred up because it's fun. And sometimes God comes and he just stirs us up and he pokes us a little bit and he's having fun with us so that we can have fun as a church family. And I think what's different about those times is that they are so memorable. 
right? We all remember those times when we were um, together at camp or in a church service or at someone's house and God was moving and just crazy stuff happening. I will never forget this one time. It's like kind of her norm now, but at camp one time, there was a one specific camp where Leslie started to laugh. And she kept laughing, and she kept laughing. And I think this was even before some of you guys were at camp, but she sat there, and she laughed, and she laughed, and she laughed. And the whole room was laughing because Leslie was laughing. But that marked us all. I remember that. I know that God moved in Leslie that night, but I remember. I remember being like, yeah, do you, that was so crazy, and everybody was laughing. Or the times that we've all cried at summer camp, we remember those times together. So God moves to have fun, and he also moves to mark us. Like I said last week, he confirms his word. And when we read that God is a powerful God, he's powerful enough to move and do things in our physical body. He's a spirit and he ministers to our spirit, but he will manifest on our flesh, whether that's falling out, whether it's being drunk in the spirit, whether it's laughing, whether it's crying, he knows how to move and have a good time, but minister to us and accomplish something too. Does that make sense? You guys had eyes that were like this big tonight and looked a little confused, but we don't talk about this a whole lot, right? We see it a lot, but we don't always talk about it and I think it's important to have answers and if you guys have more specific questions about any of this I found you know more Bible verses but I didn't want to overload you guys and give you like 50 verses tonight but if you genuinely have questions about something or you're saying I don't I don't understand it what does it mean to be drunk in the Holy Ghost or how do I do that I would love to talk to you about it because these things will change your life and it's important to let God move when he needs to move amen That's all I got tonight. I feel like I talked super major fast. You don't have to clap. But thank you guys for listening. And listen, as we move into new phases with our church, God's going to move in new ways. This new revival is not going to look like the old revival. So to be open to what he's doing. We're not talking about people just acting crazy or like that strange person in the church who's always kind of doing weird things. But when God moves, don't question it. Just just follow suit. If our pastors are up there and, and they're good with everything, I'm good with it too. And I'm going to jump in. So let's commit to move with God. Because like I was talking about last week, those kind of signs and wonders and strange things catch people's attention. And that's what confirms to new people, hey, the power of God is here, even if I don't understand it. He's moving and something's going on, and I've got to learn more about that. So I'm going to pray and dismiss you guys tonight. Father, we're so grateful uh, for the time that we had to come together tonight. And we thank you so much for being a fun God, Father. We're so thankful for that and grateful that you care enough about us not to be just a God of rules, but a God of love and a God of fun. Father, we thank you for every student that's here. We thank you for their safety tonight as they go. And we thank you that we'll be back next week for part